Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. We welcome you in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with Michael Lombardi from New Jersey. I'm Ben Wilson in Las Vegas in for Patrick Maher today. Great to see you once again. Uh, Michael, hope you had a lovely holiday stretch with the family there uh, on the East Coast. And man, do we have a lot to get into today because it yeah. is week 17 and there are injuries. There are a lot of front offices now in some potential turmoil. A lot to dive into on a Wednesday, Michael. You know, this. it's like this week 17 is a landmine out there if you're a better and you want to pick on some games and, you know, you've got to be really careful because you've got to not only assess and handicap the game, you've got to handicap the motivation behind it, you know. And as I wrote about on VEASAN on Tuesday, the, the, no team's going to say we're tanking because they don't want the league office to come down on them. But teams are not going to play all their guys. And so it's going to be a real challenge. We were talking off air, Dallas, Tennessee, tomorrow night. I mean – what is the motivation for Dallas? I mean, they're going to play the fourth seed. They're going to play either Tampa again, who they beat, or they're going to play Carolina or maybe New Orleans. I don't know. But they're not, you know, I mean, that, they're, they're locked into the fifth seed. They, they've got that pretty, they got that sewed up. So, like, what's their motivation Thursday night in Nashville? Yeah, the motivation, the injuries, which we'll get into in a second, and the fact that this week, week 17, only one game between teams with winning records, Bills-Bengals Monday night. That is only the second time that's ever happened, 1970. I don't know if you remember the week, Michael. but uh, oh. No, I don't. <laughs> it's a I was 11 then. Jeez, you're uh, really going back. You weren't even I, born. I, I How was, the hell do you no, remember I, it? I, don't, I, I just read the stats that are, pre- that are presented in front of me. Uh, that was from ESPN Stats and Info. Second time since the merger where we've had a – a, uh, within the final two weeks of a season – there was only one game between teams with winning records. Uh, but the big injury news coming out this morning broke about 20 minutes ago, and the betting market had already started to move in anticipation of this news becoming official. But Mike McDaniel, Dolphins head coach, does make it official that Tua Tagovailoa suffers a concussion on the Christmas Day game against the Packers. He is out this week. Teddy Bridgewater to start against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Line sitting pretty much everywhere at Patriots minus three. But more than anything, Michael, it's now the Dolphins dealing with with the blowback here from around the league where it's Tagovailoa in the protocol with a third concussion this year and just the associated uh, and the negative connotations that come with that. And here we go. Now it's back to Bridgewater and a season on the line here for the Dolphins in a division game. You know, I, I don't – I mean, the Dolphins are under – everybody can second guess and everybody's a genius with an eraser, right? But I, I watched that game as you did on, on Christmas Day and – I didn't get the sense, you know, that that there was anything wrong with Tua in terms of his, con, you know, his condition. Now I didn't talk to him in between series, and to me, that's really where you know when the coach goes over with them and goes over the slides and the and the and the surface and says, "Okay, here." And then the one thing I did did re- recall was when Tua said, "I think I might have called the wrong play in the huddle after the game." That, that's kind of alarming. Like, as a coach, if a guy's as smart as two is and he calls the wrong play, maybe there's something wrong. Maybe you should have then said, hey, Doc, you better check him out. But to me, I think it's really it's a hard thing to handle. And I know the Miami Dolphins are getting under a lot of scrutiny because they didn't. But how do you know? 
Like if the player doesn't say, I don't feel good, and he doesn't demonstrate concussion-like symptoms. I mean, you can tell when a guy's on the sideline. You can tell when he's not fully engaged and his mind is, whoa, wait a minute, he's a little out of it. So I, I think it's kind of it's hard. And I think the bigger issue here, Ben, is if you're the Miami Dolphins, is now this is his third concussion. He's going to miss time at the critical part of your season. And what happens next year if he gets another concussion? Like, how many of these is he, is he going to go into the Java best category, which is great player that couldn't play football because of concussions, because he, he th- values life after football, which I think is something mm-hmm. Tua's got, definitely got to consider. Because as we've said many times, Tua's not a big man, and he's going to get hit, unfortunately. And unfortunately, it's going to result in, in more of this. It's hard to avoid this in the National Football League in terms of concussions because it's a violent sport. And what's hard now, you look at what a great year statistically Tagovailoa was having in the top five in a lot of the advanced quarterback metrics, but when you consider Miami from the front office perspective had already had some cold feet and were clearly not wanting to go full bore into having Tua lead the team prior to the hiring of Mike McDaniel, when you think about the tampering going back to trying to get Tom Brady to South Florida, what do you think ends up happening in an offseason where – They've built this team around getting a ball out quick to two explosive wide receivers in space like Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. And if there are those legitimate concerns, like what ends up happening offseason-wise for, for the quarterback situation if there, are, if there were those preconceived doubts to begin with? Now you have a guy who's been in concussion protocol three different times despite the great 2022 season. You know, I think the, I think the Dolphins have done a really good job of trying to cover up the sins of not taking Herbert over Tua. I think some of the reason we have this toxic relationship with Tua where people are either love him and he's elite or, you know, you're a Tua hater is be- it goes back to Herbert, right? Because they picked they picked Tua over Herbert. Everybody wants to say Tua's elite. Well, Tua's a nice player, but he's not Herbert, right? And at some point, the Dolphins have to swallow that and say, okay, here's where we are. He, they've made him a better player this year. There's no denying that. And of the supporting cast around him has made him a better player. But there are huge limitations. If you just watch the tape and watch the player, there are limitations. Can they overcome them to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. But now one of those limitations that enter into the fold is the durability, is the concussions. And I think that's going to be a hard discussion this offseason, you know, for the Miami Dolphins to have, is how long can Tua continue to play football? Is he a five-year? Are we going to extend him to another contract with the concussions problems moving forward? Because they're real. They're not going to go away. They're not going to go away, and they're concerning, and you've got to feel for the player. No, you certainly feel for a guy who's had the best season of his career statistically and now has to deal with this going into the offseason. Line now, again, for Miami and New England this week, it's funny how for the Patriots, not like they are they are bereft of off-the-field issues right now. Mac Jones under fire for his, his dirty play in that loss to Cincinnati at Sky falling in Foxborough, but the Patriots are still alive, and the market has moved in their favor now up to three at most shops with the total dropping from 43.5 to 41.5. You go back to week one, the Dolphins won the game essentially on the strength of their defense in a 23-7 win uh, back in South Florida to start the season. Y- you think this is a, there's a situation where the Patriots can make enough adjustments to, uh, to get by here, considering it is Bridgewater on the Miami side? Well, I think, uh, you know, certainly they got to still play better. They played good defense in the first game. I mean, the offense gave the ball away for 10 points, remember. So they played, you know, their defense was really good in that game. I know all the people that were saying Tua hadn't had a bad game all year. They didn't watch a couple of those early games where he wasn't, you know, he made the one throw inside against them. But for the most part, New England did a really nice job of taking away Tyreek Hill. They held him to 242 yards passing, right? You know, and and they 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 were able to contain the run game. So the problems they got into is they turned it over three times in the game, and that's the big issue. And and that's been the story of the Patriots all year long is their turnovers, and it's their mistakes. They're very unBelichickian in terms of they they punt returns, fumbles, interceptions, poor press protection, and this is a hard game because the weakness for all the conversation around. Matty Patricia's play calling and the offensive design and Mac Jones' unhappiness. The real root, if you really want to peel back what's wrong with New England, is they don't really have an offensive line coach. I mean, Patricia is the line coach, but he's he's taxed over his head just to run the offense. 
So that offensive line isn't getting attention to detail, and they are not playing, and they haven't improved all year long. In fact, they've gotten worse, and they got worse in the game, and Miami dominated them in the first game with their mm-hmm. defensive front. So, you know, this could be an underplay here, but I just, because two is not playing, I wouldn't just automatically assume this is a win for the Patriots, who typically haven't played well at home this year. Oh, no doubt. It's, this is one of many games I look at and say, I don't know how you can have any conviction on the side before the game starts. I wonder, I think you're going to be owing some royalties to uh, the Hall and Oates with how many times you're saying, I can't go for that this week, Michael. I mean, it's like, yeah, how many games I, you look I at mean, and you say, I don't want any part of. All right. Well, so this game's kind of interesting. So, I, you know, on Tuesday, I do all my game notes and, and this game is both teams are power rated essentially the same. And both teams in the 19 categories that I value towards winning are basically the same. They rank fairly, they rank in the same area in those. Everything's kind of similar in this game. This is truly a toss-up game. And I think if it's a toss-up game, you've got to go with Miami, who's done a better job of protecting the football than New England, who has demonstrated a horrendous ability to protect the football. You know, and, And that's been the key, and that's really been what's killed them. You know, the lack of offensive line play, not protecting the football, making critical mistakes when they absolutely have to make them. And that's when they can't make them, excuse me. And so, you know, to me, this is one of those coin flip games. You know, I'm not sure what side you're right on, but I think you got to be really careful before you put go through that. I think you really do. Yeah, I'm not. No question. I, I know the first thing I gravitate towards, you know I love my teasers, uh, Michael. You, th- you think about teasing up an underdog against a bad offense, this would qualify getting Miami up to nine right now. Of course, on the other side of the coin, you're having to rely in Teddy Bridgewater, uh, their quarterback. And, and the other uh, interesting quarterback news out of the AFC East where Zach Wilson uh, is obviously not going to be seeing the field anytime soon, maybe ever, for the New York Jets. And it is Mike White, Robert Sala, confirming that yesterday. Uh, and we've seen the, the market now looking like one and a half to two right now uh, on the Jets favored in Seattle and basically a, a, an official elimination game for both teams. Yeah, I mean, and look, we you know we all talk about Seattle being a hard place to play, right? I mean, we all talk about it all. Oh, you know, you got to go to Seattle. That's really hard. The twelfth man up there. You know, you can't beat Seattle there. Well, I mean, the Raiders walked in there and beat them. Atlanta walked in there and beat them. Those are two not not non playoff teams. Obviously, San Francisco went up there and beat them. Carolina went in there and beat them. Like their last home win. Their last home win was against the Giants way back in, what was it, week eight of the season? Yeah. That's the last time they won. Yeah. You know, and they, they beat Arizona there. You know, they beat Denver. So, and now they end the season with two road game, two home games, and you would think that would be perfect. But remember, they had four of the last five are at home, and they've already on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, team, it's completely reeling at the moment. Home field advantage, I mean, we're down to basically one, one and a half across the league. I don't think you give Seattle more than one and a half, even uh, even at this uh, current rate for Seattle. Uh, we still have a lot to get to, though. Mike Sando from The Athletic is going to join us this hour. Up next, we'll get some more thoughts from Michael on the Week 17 card in the National Football League. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state of the art technology and fan friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Just getting started on the Lombardi line again, Mike Sando from The Athletic, uh, who is going to join us to talk all things awards in our next segment, and then Harry Gagnon from the Against All Odds podcast in our number two. Michael, it's uh, it's time to play you know, arm, armchair uh, psychologist here, trying to figure out motivations yeah. in Week 17. It's such a big part of the handicap. <laughs> We're talking off air. Jacksonville, Houston. The market has this four and a half points as the line in favor of Jacksonville on the road in Houston. Got to think your personal line that you make every Tuesday. Got to be over seven, right? But the market is certainly baking in the lack of motivation since this game technically means nothing. Uh, We'll start there. How do you factor in that motivation to your own line? And uh, and where do you see this this thing actually playing out here on the Jag side of things? I mean, I I have this as a 9.57 game. And obviously, the book's not going to put that number out. My numbers, in terms of my power rankings, and then my game codes, those 19 categories that we talk about, you know, Jacksonville's, Plus ten in those in those in that category, so there's a significant advantage towards Jacksonville. Now, understand this: they lost to them. They lost to them at home. You know, earlier in the year, it was an ugly game. You know, and and Houston was able to squeeze out the win because Tennessee because excuse me, Jacksonville turned the ball over. My question is, what is now? Peterson comes out today and says. This is fascinating. He says, we're going to play all our guys. There's no there's no laying off. Every game's important in the NFL. But, but Doug, when you were in Philly, you couldn't wait to lay off a game. Like, wait a minute, what's going on here now, wait, right? Do you remember the game where they just they put Kelsey out there, they take all their guys? That's how they yeah. got Waddle, right? Or Smith, I'm sorry. That's how they got Smith. They lost that game against the, the – they played none of their players. In his last game as a career as, a, as an Eagle coach, he didn't play anybody. Let's remember that was the that is the game that I mean you think about tanking and as you said earlier like coaches are never going to they're going to protect themselves because they can't do it outwardly but there if there was ever an example of a of a of team course. doing that it was 2020 week 17 Sunday night football Washington and Philadelphia to end the season and Doug Peterson basically just sat his guys uh, and it was like there was has there ever been a more obvious example of that in, in NFL history and he moved up the he moved up the position, and he was ended up to get Smith. They got the receiver. Yeah. So like, and he, now he's saying that every game's important. Well, maybe he's saying that the Eagle front office didn't want him to play guys in that game. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to argue that. I have a hard time understanding what is their motivation. Almost this is as easy as it appears to take Jacksonville and lay the points on the road. For me, I don't know what their motivation is. They're going to be either be the fourth. They have to beat Tennessee next week, unless Tennessee loses Thursday night, right? If Tennessee loses Thursday night, I think that puts them in the driver's seat, right? They would then have a one game up, and they would have to win, and they would clinch it because they have the tiebreaker, correct? Or no, right. the last game of the year would it would, would yes. do that. So yeah, so because right now Jacksonville has a tiebreak because they won the earlier game, but they're both seven and eight. So even if Jacksonville was eight and eight, Tennessee was seven and nine. If Tennessee were to win Week 18, they would they would then get the tiebreak and win the division. So it really does. That's why it doesn't matter for either team. Tennessee Thursday night uh, now catching 11 against Dallas, and then the Jags as, as we're talking about here laying four and a half. That that's why 
the the lack of motivation would seem to be there for especially for Jacksonville. Yeah, but if I'm Jacksonville, if I'm Peterson, I want my guys to play. I'm not trying to. But I need every game is a game for us to get better. There's no doubt. Now, you know, you say, well, you risk injury. Look, you could risk injury. I mean, look, Kyler Murray risked an injury when he took off. Nobody touched him, and he tore his ACL. How do you prepare for that? I don't know. I don't know that. I can't answer that question. As Belichick would say, when you, if the player's going to get hurt, tell me the play's going to get hurt on. I'll take him out the play before. Like, who knows, right? Like, who knows it's that? It's the NFL. Every, so, every play. <laughs> you know? Every, every – you know, you could get – I mean, Rob Gronkowski broke his wit, broke his arm when he just flexed out there on a, punt, on a punt protection. I mean, on a field goal protection. So, it's hard to predict that. But I think there's a momentum that you have to have going into a game. And I think that Peterson understands that, and I think Lawrence understands it, especially after they played so poorly in that game the last time they faced them. I mean, they've got to find a better way to handle mm-hmm. it. And, look, the last three weeks, Houston has played better. There's no denying it. They've been in every game the last three weeks. Yep, the game for people who are forgetting, too, that Week 17-2020 game, that was the infamous Nate Sudfeld inserted in the fourth quarter game. Washington wins the division 20-14. to That was the year of the NFC least uh, with with which you know which makes the NFC South almost uh, you know almost looks like a quality division this year, but uh, that that's the game we're referring to and, and why it's hard to trust what Doug Peterson is saying, especially down the stretch here from a personnel standpoint. But on the flip side, you have Houston, who is clearly playing hard for Lovey Smith. You look at the last three weeks, have covered each of the three games, went outright last week against the Titans. If we go to the flip side of this, so much of the discussion will be motivation for teams who are already in or in playoff positioning or know what they have to do in Week 18. But there's also the flip side of this, which is teams at that bottom end of the NFL draft order, which Houston has a half-game lead on Chicago. Where do you stand on a team like Houston who has the half-game lead, but there's no assurances at all that Lovey Smith is back or anybody in yeah. that front office is back next year? Yeah, I don't think Houston's going to back off. I think Lovey's job security certainly is depending on – he can make a really compelling argument to the front office and to the owner of the team by saying, look, the last three weeks we really got better. And that's a testament to him, which is true. They have gotten better. They played Kansas City into overtime, right? You know, they were able they were able to 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 win last week. You know, and, and I know tennis I know Tennessee's not a great team, but they were able to do that. And so there's a compelling argument that you could make that, hey, his team has gotten better. He's had to overcome some injuries. Once he's gotten his full team back, you know, it looks like it's improving. So, you know, maybe I'll make some changes to the offensive line. But, you know, when you when you break it down, had Dallas beat, gave that one away, had a chance to beat Kansas City, and and beat Tennessee. So, you know, those are three games. I mean, look, this is a long way from when they lost to Cleveland in the first game when they were absolutely horrendous, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that Cleveland game where they couldn't do anything? They should have, you know, and, and Cleveland didn't do anything except they gave up 21 points on a punt return, a, a quarterback sneak fumble return for a touchdown, and an uh, and a, and a interception off a screen pass for a touchdown. And that's how they lost to Cleveland. Yeah, the, look, the week 11, week 12 stretch, I think will be remembered as sort of the, the nadir of the Texans' uh, awful stretch where they get one first down in the first half against Washington, go down 30 to nothing at halftime in Miami. Just two of the worst first halves of football you could ever come up with. And then, and then certainly peaking week 13 as well that you just mentioned, Michael. And if, yes, have at least shown some life uh, down the stretch. Uh, so it, it's not just, and our point in bringing this up is it's not just handicapping motivation from the teams that are in that playoff positioning. It's also what are you getting from the teams uh, who are out of it and also for the teams who, yes, are locked into playoff berths, but there could be some moving and shaking depending on certain results, which the Chargers fit that bill this week. That's a, that's a really interesting game to try to figure out motivation. Line has come down from seven to six and a half. Chargers favored against the Rams. But a situation where you might look at it on the surface and say, okay, they just clinched their first postseason berth, second in a decade, first since 2018. Nine and six would be the six seed, but there's a chance the Chargers get up to a five seed, which, wouldn't you say, Michael, probably matters a lot more this year when you consider the difference between five and six is either playing Jacksonville on the road or any one of Buffalo, Kansas City, or Cincinnati. I I think I know which uh, seeding I'd rather be in. Yeah, I mean, look, the Chargers are four and one over the last five games. They're playing really well. They're getting their defense has played improved tremendously, right? Shocking that nobody tries to run the ball on them, including the Indianapolis Colts, which was averaging like a four point eight yards a carry and decided they didn't want to run the ball. Put the ball in Nick Foles' hand. I mean, I don't understand that at all. But and and on the other side, the Rams. I mean, Baker Mayfield's trying to pay for a contract, right? 
And those guys are trying to play, and they had success last week. And I don't think Sean McVay's going to just allow Brendan Staley, his former coach, to just walk all over him. I think it'll be a competitive game. And I think you handicap that game on a, on a just a straight handicap right. base. I think both teams will play. I think both teams will play hard in that game because getting that fifth seed could mean a lot. Now, the king is if Baltimore wins at the one o'clock, no, Baltimore don't play till the night game. So right. they got to keep posting wins until that. That's a great point, too. So keep in mind, the timing of games is also going to matter a lot down the final two weeks. Chargers, the last five weeks since week 12, second defending the pass on an EPA per play basis, third overall, even though the run defense has been horrible. Pretty, pretty nobody runs it on It's been a pretty big turnaround, but though. Nobody from the tries secondary. to run it on them. Yeah. I mean, when I saw the game, I, I was on the Colts last week uh, on the Russo show, and I gave it out on, on my email. And I, because I thought they would, I thought the one thing the Colts could do is just run the ball. I know that they didn't have Jonathan Taylor, but I thought the handicap of the game was they're going to come out and run the ball, kind of reduce the game, play it slow, take the 25, take it all the way down to a second, keep running it, keep running it. They come out and shotgun and let Foles fling it all over. And all they talk about is we got to make big plays, we got to make big plays. Well, Foles can't make any plays. Forget about big plays. Like how he won a Super Bowl and has a statue here in Philadelphia, it, it, it's going to go down as one of the all-timers. Quite amazing. I was on the Colts, too. I'm sitting there watching watching uh, no, Foles just throw the ball around the yard like, what are we doing? And they huh? let him do it. That's, yeah. the, that's the amazing thing. Like, at what point? The, and, and Saturday even had a play sheet with them this week, Crazy. which is, you know, I mean, I'm, he's, we get two more he's weeks. really moving into that role. Two more weeks of the Jeff Saturday experience there. Yeah, in, you uh, might get more of that, bro. Well, you might get oh, more boy. of that. Don't rule uh, that out. Mike Sandu of The Athletic. Time to talk some MVP and award races with Mike next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. College bowl season is here, and VSEN has you covered. We have picked spreads and totals for every single bowl game. Head to VSEN.com and check out all our bowl betting coverage. And while you're there, now is a great time to become a VSEN Pro subscriber for only $79 as you get access to everything we do from now through the big dance. You can do that by visiting VSEN.com slash subscribe. It's another busy bowl day today. I'm looking at my odd screen right now. Duke minus three against Central Florida in the Military Bowl there in Annapolis, Maryland. That one kicks off in about an hour and a half. We have our full uh, coverage of all those things. You can check out, again, on the website, vcin.com slash subscribe. All right, time to talk some award season, Michael, with our friend Mike Sando from The Athletic mm. at Sando NFL. I, I was laughing earlier, right before we were coming on air, Mike, was reading your article today at The Athletic, uh, just trying to put in perspective how unbelievably amazing the yardage output was from the Carolina Panthers last week. Like what, what did you uncover? Like, tell us just how crazy of a number it was compared to some of the elite offenses in in NFL history. That's what I was doing. I was like five seventy. I mean, this is a number out of like the Lombardi Packers. So that's what I did. I went to pro football reference and I got all of the most yardage games and I went through looking like, okay, Tom Landry, Cowboys, six fifty two. The funny thing about the five seventy for the Panthers is that, Peyton Manning topped out at 568 when he was in Denver and 567 with the Colts. Think of all of the offense that happened with Peyton Manning. You know, yeah. we're not talking about a totally different era. They put up 500 yards. But he, th- these guys in Carolina topped Peyton Manning's best all time. Bill Walsh of the 49ers, 580 is his best ever. And I know there's some inflation and in all of that, but man, Dan Reno, 584, they're close to that. And, and the Kyle Shanahan 49ers have had a great run. They're at 571 of all the games Kyle's had with that offense. So unbelievable to me that you could do that. And, and Steve Wilkes is not a stat guy at all. Total old school coach. If you saw him in the locker room after the game, he was reading the stats. And he had to, he had to look at him because like, he's not a number guy. But he's like, and men, 570. He had to like look at him. He's looking yeah. at his glasses like this. 570. And 320 rushing. I mean, you couldn't make Steve Wilkes happier with a stat than 320 rushing. It's unbelievable. You know, the amazing thing about that game, Mike, is when you watch the coaching tape of the game, they actually should have had more yards. They really <laughs> should have. a lot of yards out because, there. <laughs> well, because the safety for my – now, Elliott was out, which was, a huge, which was a huge injury. No one mentioned it for Detroit. In their nickel front, they use Elliott like a linebacker, and he was very good. But they got up on the safety a couple times where it was one-on-one, Foreman and Hubbard, and they didn't make a miss. They didn't make the safety miss. They had two-way directions, yeah. and the safety got the, guy, the back on the ground. If they make one of those 
instead of settling for a field goal, they're going to get over 600. That, that was the amazing – look, I've watched every Panther game because of my son's the, the coach there. I mean, it was amazing. I've never seen long runs in a game like that ever before. How about – so I, how about this? The Reed Mahomes Chiefs most is 551. So they beat Reed Mahomes Chiefs by 19. Just that's unbelievable. Just, that, that's just unbelievable. It really is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's. I mean, now, and it dispels the theory you have to throw it, which I believe in. You have to throw it to make big plays. But, you know, in this foot, we're seeing more. This the, Look, rushing attempts are higher this year than ever before. Yeah. Uh, passing yards are down. I mean, teams are actually running the ball more. And a lot of it has to do with the nickel fronts. Teams are playing nickel. You get it. I mean, Joe Gibbs would be in heaven today to be able to get a bigger guy on a little corner and block him and then run all his stuff. Yeah, I think we'll, everything in the NFL is cyclical. And so think of a couple of years ago when offense was way up. All, all it was was early down passing against run defense. Because everyone in the NFL has right. played run defense on early downs out of habit for 100 years. And so people figured out, you know what? We'll just pass on early downs. Well, now it's swung back a little bit with the defenses taking that away. Now the offense says, okay, we'll just run it down your throat if you're going to play us with pass defense. Funny how, <laughs> how funny how the league works like that, uh, Mike. And, and yeah. we're in that position, too, where if you look at things from the awards perspective and we talk this, mm-hmm. we, we transition this into the coaching talk, like Dan Campbell's, we've kind of made fun of uh, how his odds had gone from you know super trendy preseason guy yeah. to long shot midseason to plus like 175 last week. That that coaching performance officially that was the nail in the coffin. Now 20 to one, it should be like a million to one. Uh, <laughs> minus 175 right now is Nick Sirianni. He's the favorite, but numbers come way down. We saw the there was the uh, the report out of NFL Network basically giving the panel and, and the questions to a bunch of NFL execs and a bunch of them surprisingly, at least to the betting market, said Kyle Shanahan would be their guy. Yeah. And that's really changed the betting market. Shanahan was is pretty much an afterthought. He's now the plus 275 second favorite. Uh, how do you how do you look at this I, coach of the year race right now? Those are my two independently. So the thing that I do in looking at it is I'll go take every team's Vegas uh, you know, preseason win total and then I will compare it to where they're at now. Because I think as a coach if you sort of beat the market expectation, that's a good place to start. And so for most of the season, that has been, even though people thought Philadelphia had a good team, that has been Nick Sirianni because they've almost never lost a game. So he's he's multiple games ahead of um, the predicted pace. And I think that's where I would probably go. I wouldn't overthink it. I think they've done a great job, even though they have a good roster. But Kyle Shanahan, to me, is totally overlooked, would be my sort of 1A. Uh, and that's just because... I think it's underrated to have the three quarterbacks, even though losing Trey Lance probably helped them in the short term just because Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo's that comfortable pair of shoes that you've worn for five years. They're, they're your slippers, and you put them on, and they, it feels great. And they were trying a different kind of shoe, and it was probably not going to be as comfortable. So that helped them. But, you know, what they've done with their defense, their run game, and then Brock Purdy's 3-0, they've out, they've outscored I think three teams that were, you know, at least on the fringes of the playoffs in Miami, Tampa, Seattle, by a ton. They, they've run them out of the building. So I think it is taken for granted. You know, I think Kyle probably deserves executive of the year because when that plane <laughs> took off from Houston this summer, now we know Lance, We excuse me, we know John Lynch, and we know that Adam Peters, they were really pushing the Trey Lance narrative. They wanted Lance. We know that. All right, and then when that plane took off after that beating in, in Houston where Lance was not very good in the preseason game, and they landed back in San Francisco and made the decision to re-sign Jimmy, to me that was the <laughs> ultimate executive of the year. That decision saved their season. I mean, it Absolutely. did. Yeah, it, yeah and he's and a big because part of that, right? right? And, well, he is the part. I mean, in his contract, he has all the authority ever. So he made the decision, and so therefore, to me, and then layer in what I think gets over underlooked a little bit here with Kyle is Kyle after Salai left, he basically said to D'Amico Ryan, look, it's wonderful that we play Pete's defense and we're really good at it, but we gotta mix some things into this defense. We've got to change a little what we do. We've got to win some man to man. We've got to play some different things, and we have to be a little bit more diversified. 
and they did. And I think that's part of being a head coach too. So I, I, what Sariani's been able to do from the time that they've got Jalen Hurts, who they were trying to run a West Coast scheme to where they are now in a six-back offense, is wonderful. But I think there's a couple moves Kyle made that if he doesn't make them, we wouldn't be talking about the Niners like this. Absolutely. No, I, I agree. I think he's done a great job. And, I, and that's somebody who's been known, Mike, as a caller, right? He got the job because of a play calling, but the head coaching job is so much more than that. And I think they've done a just a really tremendous job, amazing record. And it gets, no one's talking about it. It's just, oh, yeah, there they are. But they're a good team. I mean, they can they can go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Like we, I think both well, uh, Michael can, and I uh, certainly believe like that, that is a very real yeah, out- I, outcome for San Francisco. I, I mean, part of my heartbreak in the NFL has happened a couple times when I've often thought the offense carries you. In 2000, we were really good in uh, Oakland offensively, and we ran into the Baltimore Ravens defense. And then 2002, we were really good offensively, ran into the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. I mean, for all the conversations we have, running game, converting third and short, and playing great defense is the recipe to win in Super Bowls. Absolutely. And how underrated is. Just they have McCaffrey. Do you think Christian McCaffrey's helping them now with Debo out? I mean, they have weapons, and they're going to get Debo Samuel back probably at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, I just think they have a lot of. I I think they have. Look, they're not going to be a drop back pass operation, but who is in the NFC? McCaffrey, yeah, yeah plus two fifty. I mean, by the way, now I mean, and Kyle never was, Mike. That's the thing. Kyle's always been a play action pass. The thing with Kyle has always been, and I've had this conversation with Kyle when he gets behind in a game because he's so predicated to be in a play action pass passing game that those offensive linemen struggle in a drop back game. We saw it against Kansas City when he has to throw it every play, but they don't have to throw it every play. And you're right, McCaffrey's versatility fits perfectly, and then the McCaffrey trade actually benefited the Panthers because for when Matt Rule was there, they were trying to feature McCaffrey. They get rid of him, and now they 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 found an identity with what they're doing, as we talked about, opening up this block. So sometimes things work out for a reason. And it, it's certainly working out for the 49ers. I mean, they get a star that they needed that their head coach is perfectly suited to use. And, and so yeah. I, I, it's, it's great for them. I, I just think the NFC is so different without having the – you know, a Brady or a Rogers really elevated in a position to do it, that it's open for yeah. it's open for a team that doesn't have an elite pass game, traditional pass game um, to get there. And those San Francisco numbers no continue to shorten uh, to win the NFC. I mean, that would be yeah. my pick, at least uh, as of right now. Mike Sando at Sando NFL joining us. Mike, awesome These, uh, job. These segments always fly by, Mike. We really appreciate the time. I will, I'm sure we'll catch up with you here at some point as we get into the postseason. I Thanks, so. Mike. Thank appreciate you. you. All right. Yep. You know what we have to do, Michael. We've, we've been we've been holding off on it. Uh, we had the big press conference out of Denver yesterday. We, let's let's break down what's going to happen in uh, in Denver when we return. Final segment of the first hour of the Lombardi Line. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. 
Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Make some midweek magic with Light the Lamp Wednesdays. BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, place a $25 wager on any NHL player to score a goal on Wednesdays, and you'll automatically receive $2 in free bets for every goal scored in the game, up to $16. Just log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to get started. Then opt into the Light the Lamp Wednesdays promotion to receive a $2 free bet for every goal scored in the game, regardless of your prop bet's outcome. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Awards issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets for site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Michael, last time you were on uh, the year here on the show Monday, Nathaniel Hackett was fired. Mid-show for De- from Denver. Mm-hmm. He's now gone, and the last 48 hours, it's been the fallout there in Denver trying to figure out what is next for an organization that has suffered through just an embarrassing, disastrous 2022 campaign. I had some comments yesterday, the GM George Patton speaking, as well as CEO Greg Penner uh, as well. And as we try to figure out now what's next, uh, it's, just, it's hard to first off think that for a team that was prepared to fire Hackett at the end of the year, and we all kind of assumed that would be the case, like, just how bad was that Christmas day? Like, to, to have a performance that embarrassing, that this late in the year, everybody in the ownership group is like, okay, we knew this was bad, but this is a whole nother level, and we're actually going to fire him. Like, were you, could you believe that it was, it was that embarrassing to give up 51 to a Baker Mayfield-led Ram team, that, that that would be how it actually ended for Hackett? I mean, given all the other things, it was that that was actually his, uh, well, his falling... I- I think game. they had I think they had no choice. I thought they were going to fire him after the Carolina game where they were just absolutely out of touch and looked lethargic. Uh, but he brings Russell back and, and I actually was on Denver, another dumb pick from mine. I thought Denver, you know, national television, they had won they beat Arizona the week before. Their defense typically plays well, you know, against a bad offense of the Rams who can't really run the ball and by eight minutes in the first quarter, I said, well, this is over. I lost. This is the dumbest pick of all time. So, you know, they had no choice. If you can't – if your players don't play at a level on national television when the whole league is watching, they don't play with excitement, enthusiasm, and execute, then there's only one person to look at. That's the coach. And they tuned him out. You could just see it. And a lot of it might have to do with the quarterback because he was now coming back to be the starter. And I think they've tuned him out too. I think he's, Mm -hmm. as much as Hackett's the problem, I think the problem is how they've treated Russell. They've, they've, They've made him out to be this elite player. They've kissed his butt. He's got all the parking spots at the stadium. He's got his own office. He's got his office in the building. I mean, they've treated him like royalty, which is the reason why no one liked him in Seattle, because there was there was rumors. I don't know if this is true, but some there was a they couldn't take the plane off because Russell didn't like the food in Seattle, and so they had to go out and get better food before the plane took off. I mean, this is diva-ish stuff that you've heard coming, but this is all was out there that George Payton obviously ignored. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about, and when you compare other quarterback, it's it's not like he's the first to have done that again. Like the, the room, you know, and having an office in the in the locker room. I mean, Brett Favre infamously had that in his final years in Green Bay. The difference was. He was beloved by everybody because he, you know, he actually cared, you know, went to his teammates and made sure that, that they were all taken care of. And you think about where the, the team is now at this point, you figure what Wilson is there next year because of the amount of money they are. I mean, they'd be, it would be a $39 million dead cap hit if they were to uh, try to get rid of him. They can't get rid of him. You just can't get rid of You're kind of tied yeah, they, to him. I mean, um, that, yeah. It, There's well, nobody going to take on that cap hit. They they have to they have to get their organization aligned first before they right. can move to the next step. And I think that'll be reflective in how long of a contract they give the next coach. 
And that's where you go now. You, you figure out uh, where things go on the head coaching front. We have this clip from Greg Penner, the CEO, on what he's looking for in the next head coach as it kind of begins where we try to figure out now what, what the direction is for Denver. Here was, uh, here was CEO Greg Penner yesterday. I've worked with a lot of great CEOs, and it starts with uh, really strong leadership. I think that's going to be the most critical factor here in a head coach. Obviously, the X and O's are important, but we need we need a strong leader for this organization that's focused on winning. That starts with culture. It's instilling uh, a sense of accountability, uh, discipline, and um, and we need an identity on on offense. Um, and so, but at, at the starting point, it's got to be about culture and leadership, and and those characteristics are what we'll be focused on the most. Yeah, pretty uh, that you hear those comments, and you just can't help but think, Michael, like Denver's probably going to try and swing big to begin the coaching search when you think about how much of a disaster yeah. this was, but you now have to ask yourself, what is, what is the reality for, for the type of guy they're going to get here in the off season? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they, they have to find the right guy. It doesn't have to be the name. I don't know who they're going to, I don't know that, but I think what he said there, Ben was pretty clear. So what, what they didn't have on the team was accountability. And that goes to Russell. Russell was treated like a diva. Russell was kissed. You know, they kissed his butt. They held him on a pedestal, which infuriated the team. So there was no accountability. Nobody took Russell on. Nobody took the other players on. There was no discipline on the team. He used the word discipline. There was no discipline on the team. There was nobody being demanded. Nobody was being pushed. And then he said he wanted a leader and a culture. They don't have a culture in the building because the general manager was the one determining the culture. That can't happen in the NFL. This has got to come from the, the head coach. has got to be the chief figure-out officer. This was a refreshing video, that one of the best I've ever seen from an owner uh, in my time in the league about understanding what the position truly is as a head coach. He didn't say play caller. He didn't say play caller. He said, oh, we need a leader. And so to me, you know, Hackett was a play caller. Well, those plays don't work if you don't have accountability and people are all in line. Everybody runs the same plays. Everybody runs the same place. There's nobody's running a revolutionary offense. It's how you hold players accountable and what you tolerate as a coach and what you're demanding and how you coach the coaches. Hackett wasn't coaching the coaches. And he wasn't demanding from the player. And so he created the dissension and the misalignment within his own locker room. You could see it. I saw it against Carolina. I mean, if I would have been the general manager, I would have fired him then. And I like his father, and I, I, I don't want to be mean towards him, but he wasn't ready to be a head coach. Now, George Payton, in his job, is kind of interesting because George clearly doesn't know what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL. He picked Hackett. So what the owner just said there was they're gonna he's going back to becoming the director of player personnel because we do have some good players here on the team. But in terms of him running the team, no, that's not going to happen. And you figure that because of that, it, it, wouldn't it be surprising if Denver, as a result, was willing to bank on a first-year head coach taking that job, even if somebody wowed them in the interview room and, and really got them to buy in that they're more than just a play caller? I, like, Don't you think it's got to be more of a veteran guy that they're looking at? It's going to be fascinating when he goes to start interviewing candidates because all of them are going to come in with their playbook. None of, none of them are coming in with the leadership book. Like, none of them are coming in with the leadership. They're all coming in with their playbook. And, and they're all coming in with their list of who they're going to hire to subcontract the team because that's how the process has gone for the last 10 years through Bob Lamont, Richmond Flowers, and all these guys that have gotten jobs. I mean, Richmond Flowers, the agent for Hackett, he double-dipped throughout the organization. He made millions in there because all the coaches on, his st on that staff are from Flowers. So to me, he's going to get cold water on his face when he starts to bring in, okay, let me go talk to Ben Johnson at Detroit. Okay, great. Ben's saying, all right, Ben's not going to talk about leadership. Ben's going to talk about about how he runs this offense and how he's going to make the quarterback better. Leads Who's to going the, to talk about how we build culture? Yeah. Who's going to talk about how we create alignment? Those are hard things to do. There's not, To me, what he was saying in that, he's better off going to get a college coach. Well, that's why the one big name that a lot of people will throw out, Sean Payton. There was the report yesterday coming out. I don't know what you think about this. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk says... The, uh, the worst-kept secret in league circles is that Sean Payton, uh, if he coaches in 2023, would return to the New Orleans Saints. I don't know if you've heard anything uh, that would line up with that, Michael. But I mean, that, that's been going around for a while. And, and, and certainly, he, you know, they own his rights, right? So I, I think we, we tend to forget the rules when, when some of these websites out there or, or talk. Like, the, the Saints own his rights. 
So you have to satisfy the Saints. If he wants to coach again, you have to satisfy the Saints in terms of them releasing him from his contract. That's a problem, okay? That's a problem. And maybe with a year off, Sean's more comfortable. Maybe he feels a lot better, you know, and, and, and he's healthier and he feels like, okay, I'm ready to go back at this and let's go figure out who's going to be my quarterback and move forward. You know, and maybe I'll bring Tom Brady in for a year. I wrote this on Tuesday. Like, you know, Brady's probably got three more games left in Tampa and nothing else. You could just feel it. Like, as I talked about in the column, I mean, it's just not – it's not brady It's not how he's used to doing things now. And so he's not going to want to be there. Does he keep playing? I don't know. I don't know that. I can't get into his head on that. But I know that this Lethwich offense, that's not, that's not yeah. what he wants to do. And you could say – Oh, I've never seen Brady do that before. A lot of this stuff is there's no detail with going on with their offense, and it makes the quarterback look really bad. I just wonder from the Broncos front with that ownership group having the Walmart money, like is money all that it would take to satisfy the Saints as far as that arrangement? Like, would it be that? Would it be that simple? I, I, I think know. I think Sean. I don't know if Sean Sean has run an organization before. I don't know if them taking on Russell is something a lot of people want to do right now. That's you better have some. Point. You better have some juice. Oh yeah, you, you, that's a big, uh, big ask, especially what what will be uh, the weight of the shoulders on whoever takes that job for Denver. All right, hour number two. Time to talk some of the biggest matchups on this week's card. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.